Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Lamarice and our special guest that we bring in every year for this episode. I guess it's been two years. So, but every year of the past two years. Tyler Shoemaker, the resident bookmaker for Buckeye Talk, is here. We are marking down over-under win totals in college football this year. Tyler, last year, which are you the most regretful of? Your 0-5 record picking over-unders here on Buckeye Talk, which was the worst of the three of us, or your 0-2 record in person, your your like verified jinx status at Ohio State football games last year? That's tough. Um I, you know, I, I thought back through it and I hadn't attended, I usually go to at least one game a year and I hadn't attended a loss since 2008, since Ohio State lost to Penn State uh, when Terrell Pryor was there. That was the last time I was at a loss and I was at two, both of them last year. Uh, so I, I guess that, but I, I do uh, feel feel bad for our, our Buckeye Talk listeners that that may have followed my, uh, my advice last year. Um, I, I am regretful of that for sure. At least they at least they had Doug to, to carry it. <laughs> Doug did the best of us. Doug was three one and one. I was one and four. You brought home the goose egg. But yeah. but, but Tishu, did you have a winning season last year betting? Overall, yes. Um, so obviously that's like more spreads and, and over unders, but uh, and, and like I told Nathan, like my, my win totals last year, I don't have all of them in front of me, but it, it was, I probably broke about even on win totals. Um, I just happened to give out the five worst ones on the pod, but, uh, the, the most, like, I, I know I bet like the Wake Forest team total over, cause it was like seven and a half last year. And then, you know, they had a great season. So I had some winners in there and, and people that follow me on Twitter, uh, at least got to partake in those hopefully. So you don't bet over-unders for the season, these like um, futures bets. You you don't bet those as much as you do. You're more of like the week-to-week is what Gener- you prefer to bet. Generally, generally yes. Uh, I, I think this year uh, I actually do – one, I feel better about the data I have this year, so I'm, I'm going into it with a little more confidence uh, than, than I, you know, especially last year like we talked about. I mean, trying to project last season off of the 2020 season was, was brutal. So I want to talk about that in a second. Um, well, actually, let's just talk about it right now. Like, for because of you're saying because of the 2020 season, how truncated it was, how teams played only you know Pac-12 there were teams playing like five games, Big Ten teams playing eight games compared to some teams that played a whole season. How do you think that that affected the data? Did it feel in the moment like you were you were dealing with messy data last season and 
how how do you think that impacted yourself and other betters trying to make those those prognostications? I am going to say it did not affect me going one and four. I probably was going to go one and four either way. Yeah. So I, I guess you know, in hindsight, I think looking back, and I I recall when I put out my first um, kind of power ratings and stuff. I remember I had like the Pac-12 in particular just like seemed super high to me in the moment. And I was like, well, you know, the numbers are the numbers. Maybe they're just going to have, maybe the Pac-12 is just going to be really strong this year. And then that was, was not the case, obviously, you know, at, uh, none, none worse than my Washington 12 and 0 playoff pick. <laughs> and they, you know, they lost to Montana state or something in the first couple <laughs> weeks of the season. And that was, yep. that was it. <laughs> I, I went down on that ship with you there into the yeah, that's uh, right. whatever that is what whatever that harbor is there in seattle oh you you guys sank in jimmy lake <laughs> yeah. second jimmy lake yeah. the puget sound i think is what i'm saying we both went down in the puget sound yeah yeah for sure but that is hard to I, i'm not i'm not here to be like numbers schmumbers but it's like well you know these are the numbers and this we say this and it turns out oh jimmy lake's terrible at this He's the Washington coach who ended up getting fired, who, yeah. who, again, it's not like we're Jimmy Lake experts, but he was the defensive coordinator when Ohio State played Washington in the Rose Bowl in 2018. And then he took over for Chris Peterson. And I was like, I like this guy. Like, it's like you, hey, let's play name the coordinator who's going to be a successful head coach. And I think a lot of people around the country would have had Jimmy Lake on any kind of top 10 list for that. And then it turned out to be awful. And so like it sort of submarined sort of whatever numbers or, or the roster or whatever it was like, they just fell apart at the top and then they fell apart everywhere else. And I, I don't know, Chishu, if that's is, is college football so different than the NFL where you get, you know, you get, especially when you have established quarterbacks, established coaches, you sort of have a way of doing business. I think when you look at numbers and you have a couple years of data there, right? Every time you have more data, that's better than right. less data. But right. college football inherently is designed to have less data because so much changes. Does that make college football more difficult to bet on or because the data changes so much for someone like you who has some data, who has much more data than the average better? Does it actually make it a better proposition for people to bet on? Because the data is so hard to come by. You know, listen, anybody can say, hey, Bill Belichick, he's good. I'm going to bet on him. Hey, Tom Brady, he's good. I'm going to bet on him. You can't really do that in college football. So the, the greater change in college football, good or bad for guys like you? Uh, for, for guys like me, I, I think in general, it, it is a positive. Uh, and, you know, the example would be, be because the NFL is so structured around parity, it's hard to find value, you know, and, and there's only 32 teams. So it's very difficult to get an edge in the NFL. Those lines are just so sharp because it's, it's down to a science, but college football, the, the standard deviation from the spread, like I know everyone's like, Oh, Vegas knows it. But when you actually look at the data games rarely end, you know, right at the, at the line in college football. Um, and that's because there's just so many teams and so many games like Ozmakers just can't take the time to perfectly craft every single line. So then that's where I come in is, you know, a lot of my best bets are going to be on obscure teams that nobody knows anything about because that's generally where the best value is. And now we return to talking about the most famous team in college football. 
There's no obscurity with Ohio State. There's none of no obscurity with Ohio State. Now, Ohio State fans cannot yet vote on their team. Tyler, you bet. do not vote on bet. the Buckeyes, correct? What I vote? Say, I said vote. I meant bet. You Tyler, are you... locked in. When's your preseason ballot due? <laughs> um, when is your preseason ballot due? Oh, you're talking mm-hmm. about AP. My AP, AP ballot I have not received, I don't think. Okay. Um, the 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 Cleveland.com poll is due Wednesday. Have you sent out the emails yet? As we yes. record this on Friday? Yes. Oh, I gotta look at my email. <laughs> <laughs> Did you send it to my work email or my AOL? I hope so? I'll double AOL. check after we're done with this. Um Ohio State fans cannot bet on Sorry. the Buckeyes in Sorry. Ohio yet. Tyler, you do not bet on Ohio State kind of as a uh, matter of like one of your rules, right? Like you don't, because it's because that's where it maybe gets harder for you to separate the math from the tug of the heartstrings. It is, it is very difficult. I, I won't say never, um, you know, infamously I had the under in the Tulsa game that was like cash all day until the Cam Martinez pick six. So that, um, so I, I won't say never, I, I don't bet on them uh, very rarely. And it's a combination of what you said, kind of just, trying to keep myself objective, but also a lot of times there's not much value on Ohio state. If anything, yeah. there would be value betting against Ohio state, which I don't want to do either. Cause then I'm conflicted while I watch the game. So generally, no, I will say I made the biggest bet of my life uh, on the Michigan game, you know, because I was there, I was like in the moment, bet on Ohio state minus the seven. And so just a bigger kick to the groin, uh, you know, after wow. the fact. <laughs> that's rough. What about what about when uh, they were only favored by Rutgers by 15 and a half? You had to bet that, right? No, the worst I, line in the history. Of college you know, football. I was thinking about that line uh, the other day when I was, I was listening to, to one of your shows and you were talking about it and uh, talking about Rutgers. And I remember thinking like, yeah, but at, in the moment last year, that line based on like everything available other than like common sense, that line was, you know, within within range. But then you think about it like, from a common sense standpoint, it's like, really, you're, you're only going to make Ohio State lay 16 or whatever it was like. But that that's where you kind of guys like me end up just out thinking ourselves and, you know, relying too heavily on the data instead of just using our heads sometimes. Yeah, no, that so just to re, if I was going to make the biggest bet of T-Shoes life, if I was going to bet T-Shoes house on something, that's the game I would have bet it on. And it was 15 and a half. And Ohio State won 52 to 13. Because the thing, and I think this is a mathematical, mathematical principle that I do think, I think I learned it in calculus. When I was in my senior year, um, I took calculus and then I went on a trip and then I came back and I didn't understand calculus and I dropped calculus. But it was on my transcript when I applied to college that I was taking it and then I dropped it. So I, my calculus is not uh, great. But I remember a principle um, in calculus that was called the Butt Rutgers principle, which is yes, numbers may show this, but Rutgers. So, a tissue, I don't know if you want to factor that, if you could put that into your formula, the Butt Rutgers factor would have made you a boatload of money when you were thinking, like, you know what, 15 and a half. I don't know. I'm thinking, but Rutgers tissue. But Rutgers, just I'll, trying I'll to help. To plug that in. I, yeah, I think there's a function in uh, in Google Google Sheets I can plug in to, to yeah. apply that. <laughs> One T. So because you were that game was in Michigan, you could bet on that game last season. Ohio State fans will someday be able to bet on Ohio State games. We just 
don't think it'll be during this season unless something changes. In Ohio. There are a lot of Ohio Ohio State fans listening to this who can bet at Ohio State games. Correct. If you live on the borders, you can vote in or bet in Indiana, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, West Virginia, everybody, every place but Ohio. But it's coming January 1st. Tissue, I'm just imagining Nathan in Vegas, like walking up to the sports book window and being like, I'd like to vote $10 on this game. He's just locked in as a voter. I'm sure they've heard heard worse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In Vegas, I'm surrounded by betting here. It's about drafting and voting and things. I'm in more of a voting element here. It's not necessarily a betting element, but we want to talk more about betting. We, we do incorporate it uh, over the course of our coverage all season. And I think we're going to do that more and more. And then especially once it is legal in Ohio, which it will be legal at the latest online January 1st is the legislation that's in place right now. We want to talk about Ohio State up front, though. Going by the bet online, which is the numbers that we're taking. So each of us is going to end up putting a bet over under. We're going to pick an over or under uh, win total for five teams, just as we did last year. Hopefully two of us doing better than we did a year ago. And Tyler, you use the numbers from betonline.com. There's a lot of others out there. I was, you know, Vegas Insider is one that I look at a lot. Um, but the over/under win expectancy for Ohio State. Now I got to bring up, I got to bring up your page, make sure it didn't change. It is still what it was uh, when I looked at this the other day, and that's ten and a half out of twelve games. It's all regular season win totals. You, I think, based on what I saw from your numbers. Love this number for the over for Ohio State. Why? I do. And the the hard thing is that there's not a ton of value in betting the over, um, but I do like them to go over the 10 and a half. And that's because, um, you know, on my on my sheet here that I'm going to going to make public um, put out on Monday um, when this airs. So I do a win probability based on 10,000 simulations of each game. And the lowest win probability Ohio State has throughout the whole season is at Penn State, and it's a 79% win probability. So I will take that all day. So, you know, and even if something happened and they and they lost that game, I've still got, you know, a game to spare before I would lose that bet. So I, I would take the, the Ohio State uh, win total over 10.5. We've been thinking about this as a relatively tougher schedule maybe for Ohio State. You open with Notre Dame. You've got Wisconsin. You already mentioned the road game at Penn State. You've got Michigan, which now obviously rose from the the dead a little bit last year. Michigan State took a step forward last year. Are your numbers saying then that maybe the schedule isn't as tough as we think or that Ohio State is just so good that it doesn't matter? The latter. Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia are clear cut above the rest in terms of my power ratings. Uh, And actually, to your point, I've got Ohio State's schedule as the 12th most difficult in the country. Uh, Penn State's is 11th, but I, they're just, they've just separated so much from the pack uh, of everyone that they play. I mean, even, even Notre Dame, who I've got fifth in the country, Ohio State's still 11 point or 10 and a half points better than them on a neutral field. So uh, it, it's, it's not so much that the schedule's weak. It's that they're playing a difficult schedule, but they're just that good, uh, you know, according to the metrics. I'm a little surprised. It feels like a lot of these at bet online and I'm trying to look at a couple other sites right now. Cause I think, I don't think there's anybody at 11 
right? I mean, even Bam, I think, is at 10 and a half, which I just think is odd. I know last year, I mean, there's sometimes teams are at 11 or 11 and a half, where it's like if you're betting on one of the two or three best teams in the country, you're betting are they going to go undefeated or not. And maybe right. you're getting a push at 11 and one, because again, all the, when we're talking about these win totals, it's all regular season. It's a 12-game season. For the best teams in the country this year on this site to be at 10 and a half is not what I expected. I, I expected that at least Bama and Ohio State would be at 11, maybe even 11 and a half, because it's hard to go undefeated. But I certainly would feel I mean, Ohio State went 10 and two last year with a huge problem on defense. And by playing a playoff team in the last weekend of the year with a first year starting quarterback and 10 and two was like, oh, my God. And the idea of like, oh, how do you lose this bet? At the moment, so if they go ten and two again, if they go ten and two, if this Ohio State team goes ten and two, people are going to be mad. People are going to be sad. People are going to be shocked. People are going to be talking about the lost opportunity for the next twenty five years. So the idea of how do you lose this bet at ten and a half? It's if they have an absolutely stunningly disappointing season. So I I'm really surprised this number is not eleven. Where all right, if they go 11 and one, sometimes you lose a game and then you get a push out of that. But to win at 11 and a one, I, I'm very surprised at this, at these, at this over under line. Yeah. So, Doug, you're right. And I was talking to Nathan yesterday about this. And I think so, just to give you guys kind of a, a peek in, in case you aren't aware of like kind of how odds makers work. So, they'll set their line. And then as money comes in on one side, depending on whether they deem it as sharp money or, or just public money uh, and that sort of thing, they will then what you call juice the line. So instead of you getting, you know, minus 110 odds, which is standard on the Ohio state line right now, it's like minus 250. So you have to oh, lay $250 oh, okay. to win a hundred. So then the next step from there would be to move the line to 11. And I, I was telling Nathan yesterday, us doing this show at this point in the summer uh, kind of has its pros and cons because we're we're seeing these lines for what they are, but these lines will move. The closer we get to the season, the more the public starts to bet. You know, generally like the week of the season starting, the public will really start to bet win totals, and and you'll see these lines start to move. And I, I would bet that Ohio State's win total will close at eleven or eleven and a half. Yeah, that, okay, that is really smart information that I'm glad because like I'm I consider my I'm definitely in the the novice better even though I've been around betting and. I like to go to Vegas and stuff like that, but I'm not as into sports betting as a lot of people are, even people who aren't into it at your level. But that's a really smart thing for people to remember to, to look at, at the numbers that way. I was even going to ask if when you start talking about public money and the way they set these lines, that first game being Notre Dame, if that were an exactly equivalent team without the name of Notre Dame, would that change what Ohio State's line is right now? Do you think that's affecting at all um, the line that they're getting? So, yes and no. I don't think it would affect the opening line too much necessarily because gener so generally the way it works is the opening line is basically the odds makers telling you what their power ratings say. That's going to be the opening line. And then the money moves it from there gotcha. to, to the closing line. So I think the opening line would be what it is because they're going to rely on the metrics like I do. Um, and, and, and Doug and I have talked about, about this before, like, I, I try to bet games early, but then as the line moves throughout the week, I may jump in late on the other side because it's moved so much through the week because um, a lot of times that opening line is so much better because of the um, 
the data that they're using and it's not driven by the money because a lot of a lot of times the public will just hammer a team and and move the line and it it's it just gets inflated or de, you know or deflated depending on the, the team and what you're saying now is like having to bet 250 to win 100 to get to take the over on Ohio State it's like is it worth betting $250 to win 100 and then you lose that $250 if like CJ Stroud gets hurt in the first quarter of a game Right now, it gets abducted by aliens in the first quarter of a game, and then they play another game, and Braylon Allen rushes for 343 yards and steamrolls them, and it's like, well, that's not anything because injuries, obviously, when especially when you're taking an over, right? That's the kind of thing where the thing that nobody saw coming, I don't, I'm obviously that's factored in tissue, but there's some component on. Well, this is what the numbers say. This is what our eyeballs say. This is what the rosters say. But again, especially if you're taking the favorite or you're taking it over, there's 5%, 7%, 3% that helps the other side, which is like something goofy happens. And that, that no one can see that coming, but goofy stuff happens one out of every 20 or 30 or 50 games. Right. And that's and, and I do factor that in when I'm looking at, at any bet, but, but win totals in particular, you know, when it's a season long thing. Uh, so I. I have to have a lot of value on an over to bet an over, but if I, I, I will be willing to put down money on an under with less value, because just in general, you're more likely for something bad to happen, you know, or to get unlucky than you are to get lucky right. uh, enough to, to go over your win total if, if I'm betting the under. So, so I, I definitely do factor that in. So that being said, we asked everybody here to come up with five market down games, the games where they're taking either over under the bet online total teams, you, are you, teams not games. Teams. Yeah. Yes, Individual sorry. teams for teams. the season. They're over under win totals. Yes. Tissue. Are you taking Ohio state at 10 and a half over or under either one? So I am going to pull a Doug here uh, and, and do kind of the opposite of what Doug did last year. I'm going to include Ohio state with Alabama and Georgia parlay over. They all, all of their lines are 10 and a half. I'm going to parlay those three over 10 and a half. All three of them. He did that last year, taking Alabama and Clemson, parlaying the under. But you're taking all three of these teams to go over ten and a half. Yeah, and I, I haven't plugged it into the to the odds calculator yet, but I, I'm sure I would get probably even or positive money uh, on that. So I think that, that makes me- sense because we have to try to factor this into some degree. Listen, we're simpletons when it comes to this, but we also want to be real because if people, you know, again, when you talk about betting now, it's not fanciful. It's real for a lot of people listening and for everybody listening, it's going to be real for everybody if you want it to be in the next couple months. The point of you can't exactly just take, oh, Ohio State the over, I'll take that. It's like, well, I'm taking it at minus 250. This is a good way to get value on those three teams that, again, all three of those teams probably should be at 11. That again, if you push on 11 and one, but if you're going to win, but to get the value out of the bets, you don't want to have to bet minus 250 odds. So all of a sudden you parlay them together. You know, could a goofy thing happen to one of those teams? Yeah, but that's, those are the three teams. They're so separate. And there's a tissue, as you know, there's a lot of bets, you guys, when you go out and you start poking around on betting sites where it's Alabama versus the field for the national championship. It's Alabama and Georgia versus the field for the national championship. It's Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Every site, every book is separating these three teams. It's sort of everyone that's like, likes Ohio against the world. It's Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State against the world in college football this year. 
And you've kind of got to decide which side you're on. And if you have a firm grasp of which side you're on, that's not a bad way, I think, to go into this season. That I think it's going to be chalk. I think it's going to be one of these three teams. I'm going to lean in hard on that. And, you know, just kind of wait for the expected to happen. Or I like the dice roll on USC, on Clemson, on Baylor, on Michigan, on whomever else you can find out there. Because, man, those three, those three teams have so separated themselves. I think generally with the changes at Clemson, losing two coordinators, with the change at Oklahoma, with Lincoln Riley and the full USC experience not yet operational, those three teams are so separate that it's, a, it's an easy way to sort of divide your thinking on this season. Yeah, I mean, from a, from a power rating standpoint, just to give people like the, the context here, those three teams are so far above the field. The next power rated team, which is Clemson, who's fourth, would be a touchdown underdog on a neutral field to all three of those teams. So that, that's how far ahead they all are. Crazy. And then you very know why, if, like, if you're betting some like championship odds like them versus the field, they very well wind up with it's those three teams and somebody else in the playoff and you'd feel really good about your chances. Yeah. And, and I yeah. mean, when, when you're making playoff bets, like, you know, then you can maybe nibble on a, on a Notre Dame or Michigan or an Oklahoma or someone like that. But from a national championship standpoint, I mean, it, it's been borne out again and again. I mean, the teams that recruit the best and, you know, gener- other than last year that, that have great offenses, those are the teams that, that win. And I mean, Ohio state and Alabama certainly fit that in, in Georgia even though they lost a lot on defense, they still project, they've still recruited as well as anyone in the country. So they're, you know, projected to just kind of reload. I think that is a really uh, savvy way to look at how to bet Ohio state or bet any of those favorites. I was still on the more simpleton side of things was just looking at the over under totals and wasn't taking in the, the juice or anything into account. I'm still going to take Ohio state over 10.5 as one of my teams. And I agree with what Doug was saying that it would just seem as I looked over this schedule, I don't see two losses, even two games that I think they might be um, on the brink of losing at any point. So I'm going to take Ohio State over 10.5. Doug, are you taking either side of the Buckeyes as one of your five? Yeah, I'll take the under. I'm just kidding. I don't want I don't want under 10 and a half, Doug, to be up there with <laughs> nine and three, Doug. Hey, under 10 and a half, Doug. So I'm going to stay away from them just because of the of the juice. Um there's another couple teams that I like a little bit more in regards to that. When, when you think about what you have to bet um, to make your money back, it doesn't mean that I don't think they're going to go, you know, yeah. 11 See, or 12. Doug's becoming such a smarter better already since, since the first yeah. time we did this show. Yeah. Um, I, the first time I was on four years ago. So I, I, I'm proud of Doug for, for coming along and thinking of it that way. Tishu, if someone came to you and said, I, I want to bet the over on Ohio State, I'm I'm just committed to doing it. I've got a hundred bucks I got from my uncle, birthday, whatever. I'm putting it on Ohio State. Would you tell them, don't do it at 10 and a half, wait till it gets to 11 and get a better, will the juice be better there? Yeah, I, if, if the line goes to 11, you're probably looking at standard minus 110 odds, like, and maybe minus 120, but in my, in my opinion, anything like 150 or below would be worth worth betting, uh, e- even at 11. Gotcha. We're going to take a break there. We're going to come back and mark down some Big Ten teams, and then we'll look at the national landscape here with Tishu on Buckeye Talk. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are marking down over-under win totals for college football teams here on Buckeye Talk. Last year, among Big Ten teams, I took Northwestern going over six. They won half that many games. I took Nebraska going under six. That was the only thing I got right. They won three games. Doug, you took Maryland over five and a half. You won that bet. Tishu, you took Wisconsin over nine and a half. They only got nine. You took Michigan under seven and a half and Michigan State under four and a half. And both of those really blew the doors off and uh, easily surpassed on the over there. Uh, Tishu, why don't you just start off? Is there, besides Ohio State, any team from an over standpoint that really intrigues you? this season. So this is not, I'm probably not betting this, but Michigan state over seven and a half, you know, I know they lose Kenneth Walker, but when I look at their schedule, I mean, I, I just have a hard time coming up with five losses for them. Um, so I, I have the Michigan State schedule here real quick. Yeah, so, it's, so uh, on my sheet, I break it down into likely wins, which is a 60% or better win probability, toss-ups, which is 40 to 60%, and then a likely loss. And Michigan State, I've got them with eight likely wins and one toss-up. So, you know, even if they lose the toss-up, they're still comfortably going to be favored in, in eight. So I, I, like, uh, I like them to go over seven and a half again. I'm personally not betting it, but if you're looking to to get in on some Big Ten action, um, that that's one that I that I would look at. Yeah, I think Michigan, this is this is a good one. They could be five and zero when they play Ohio State, and then yeah. they have Indiana, Illinois, and Rutgers after that, which I think is probably your eight. So I think everybody looks for regression from surprise teams. Again, their number last year was whatever it was four or four and a half, and they won ten. So now it's seven and a half, which is a three win jump from their over under last year. But seven and a half is still two and a half fewer games than they actually won. So they could regress and still hit the over. That's what I think is, is like they were, they went tissue, whoever goes six wins over or five and a half wins over. Nobody ever does that. It was remarkable. So, but nobody, everyone's, they're not, you're not going to pull the trigger on an over under of Michigan state of nine, not when they're in a, in a division with Penn state, and Michigan and Ohio state, but I think their crossovers are really winnable. Their toughest non-conference game is Washington. And I, I just think like, could they, they have a Wisconsin crossover, but could they like, could they beat somebody a little surprising, right? The four games that you would think, okay, maybe they're not favored Wisconsin, Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state. Could they win one or two of those games? I think they could. Could they get, you know, so I, this was one of my, we did a version of this in the college football survivor show. If you guys want to go listen to that, Shahan and I each bet a thousand fake bucks on a bunch of different things. And some of them were over unders and Michigan state over seven and a half is one of the things I bet there. Um, Their past defense should be better. 
Kenneth Walker the third was really good, but they have two transfer running backs that I think are legit. And I think possibly they have the second best quarterback and second best receiver in the big 10. So I think, and the schedule is doable. So I think there are a lot of factors here. I don't know if the public is late to the party still on Mel Tucker, or if they think they're like, they were a wonder of a bunch of transfer portal guys last year, there is turnover there, but they've continued some of the transfer portal stuff. They won't be as good at running back as Kenneth Walker, as they were with Kenneth Walker through, but they won't be terrible. And I think the defense might be substantially better because it was atrocious last year in a lot of ways. And they still won 10 games in the regular season. So I like, this isn't my best bet in the, I'm not going to use the word best bet. This isn't the thing I think is the hardest. I can't use like an actual betting term, like best bet. This will be my categories. Nathan are the thing is the thingies that Douglas think is the hardest. I, it's not my best one, but I like this. I think there's like multiple ways tissue that you come at this that I don't think it's like a miss line. It's not like, Oh, it should be eight and a half. Cause I understand some of the skepticism but I think they're like a good team that's probably going to win eight or nine games. So I will take this also. You are marking it down. I will mark down Mel Tucker. Were you marking this down, Tishu? Uh, no, no. I was, I was just offering some insight. This is not one I'm marking down. I, I'm marking down three Big Ten games, and this is another one of them. Or three teams. Big Ten teams, and this is another one of them. Um, and I agree with everything you guys already said. That I, I looked at the schedule, and they, you know – you when you when you're trying to you want games I think that even if you think they're going to lose there's a chance they could win um, they have to go at Michigan and at Penn State as part of this schedule and you know the Wisconsin game is right before the bye um, and that but that is at home that's a game I think that they will actually still Michigan State I would take them to win that game so it was easily like I'm predicting them to win nine games so seven and a half seems pretty easy for me, but like you're saying, tissue, it's a number that just seems to leave a, a whole lot of room um, for error. Yeah. And, it's- and I, I definitely did factor in um, what, what Doug was saying about, you know, Peyton Thorne and, and their passing game. I mean, really maybe other than Maryland, they're probably the most competent passing game in, in the big 10, you know, obviously other than Ohio state. So uh, I, I, I think that's a good bet. And that's minus 130. So that's like a good yep. good betting odds on the seven and a half. You're not you're not giving up a lot to do that. So I think that's a really good one. Let's look at the other team from that state uh, that Ohio State fans are, are certainly curious about. Michigan, right now, the projected win total, nine and a half. Does that sound high or low to you, Tishu? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's about right. I've projected them, you know, their win probability when you, when you add it all up as a, as a sum is 9.68. So nine and a half is, is right in line. But then when you actually break it down game by game, you know, I, I think Michigan goes over this. Uh, I've got them power rated pretty high. They're, they're in my top 10, but it's more a result of their schedule. Their schedule is atrocious. I mean, they're non-conference Hawaii, yeah. Colorado State. Um, so, I mean, it, it's atrocious. So, I will be very surprised if they're not 10 and 1 or 11 and 0 going into the Ohio State game. And their crossovers and that, in the West are Illinois, Nebraska, and Iowa. So, like, yeah. they don't play Wisconsin, for instance. So, and yeah, and I was curious, you know, you, you look at the Iowa games, like, oh, they're going to Iowa. Like, maybe, maybe that's something. But I mean, according to the win probability, it's it's not <laughs> so so we'll we'll see. 
Iowa is an interesting team as we kind of bounce around the Big Ten here. Like your power ratings, not super high on them, um, frankly. And let's see what the I'm trying to remember what the uh, win total is on them. Seven and a half per, and that's a team that you know was in the Big Ten championship game last year that we generally think of as being one of the two best teams in the West. I mean, I'd say traditionally. Um, any reason why they are expected to be a little bit down this year? So quarterback sucks. Well, that's a big <laughs> yeah, part. I mean, of it, yeah. I, I just think I think their offensive rating is just gonna gonna hold them down. And, and to your point, I've got them power rated at nine point eight, which for context is eighth in the Big Ten. Right. Uh, I've I've got you know, and then even in their own division, I've got them fourth. So you know, I, I just think they're kind of run of the mill Iowa this year, probably looking at seven and five. And Yeah, your power rating is like a full four points higher for Michigan State than it is for Iowa. I think that's good context for where they kind of sit this year. Yeah, and and, and behind Minnesota and Nebraska also. So, I mean, that just to kind of contextualize where they where they fit in. But does anyone so Michigan, does anyone like Michigan over nine and a half? Like, is anyone better? I'm not taking them. No, I'm I'm not taking it either. Yeah, either am I. I think it's it's hard. If you if you think they're going to lose to Ohio State, and I would assume most of the people listening to this are assuming that, then you can lose one more. And even in a bad schedule, and it is bad, even in a bad schedule, you can only lose one more. You can't have two goofy Saturdays. Um, you, we don't know what's up with J.J. McCarthy, right, who didn't do anything in the spring. They lost their three best defensive players which isn't nothing. Um, you know, I think their offense will be pretty good. Right? I think the pass catches will be a little better. You know, you worked on them and Edwards in a little bit more running back. I think they'll be good, but they were keyed off a of defense last year. And unlike Ohio state, I don't know that Michigan is now going to have like an edge rusher factory. I don't know that they have another Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo just lined up, ready to go. And that was such a fundamental part of who they were. It's really a transformation. And also just generally, and Nathan, I know you and Steven did a podcast about this and everybody knows it. Like there's just not a lot of momentum with the program right now that I don't know that they're going to carry like the juice of a playoff appearance and the juice of an Ohio state win. Not that recruiting affects how players on the roster think, but I don't like the crowd and just everybody's not as up on Michigan football as they probably should be coming off the best Michigan season since they won the national championship 25 years ago. So it doesn't, I don't know that anybody who's not a Wolverines fan would be super encouraged to be like over nine and a half, boom, sign me up for that. It just doesn't feel like that's where Michigan is right now. Well, there's a term, there's a term that, that you'll see used in embedding circles and that's fat and happy. And I think Michigan this year is fat and happy. I think they got over the hump against Ohio state. They made it to the playoff. You know, they kept Harbaugh for, for better or worse, you know, despite the Vikings thing. I, I just think they're content now. Um, now they may prove me wrong and, you know, but I, I think when you're looking at this at their win total from a betting standpoint, I think that's a team that you say, okay, they probably overachieved last year got all the monkeys off their back they wanted to get. And I think they're just going to go into this season and maybe they look more like the the 2020 Michigan. I'm not saying they're going to have a losing record by any means, uh, but, but I, I don't, I'm not putting my money on them going over nine and a half. If I were to plot it out, on, this is the best way to describe it. I think if I were to plot it out on paper, which I did this handy color coded 
you see all the W's and L's across the Big Ten for my voting that I have to do next week. I have Michigan going 10 and 2, but I feel like the story of the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan until last year was 10 win teams that win nine, nine win teams that win eight. Like there's always, it's just a little bit less than it's supposed to be. And it's hard for me to have confidence that that 10 should be written in ink that it really isn't a nine, that there isn't a flub here along the way. That's also, though, me having more confidence in another team we should talk about, which is Penn State, who on your uh, list is actually third in the East as far as power ranking, below Michigan, pretty significantly below Michigan, like a four-point gap between Michigan and Penn State. Their uh, bet online total is eight and a half. What are your thoughts on Penn State? So... This is not one I'm marking down either, but if I had to make a pick, I would go under um, their projected win total uh, for me based on their win probability is 8.18. So uh, some value on the under there. Um, and then, you know, looking at just looking at, at what they have coming back. I mean, I think Sean Clifford coming back for them may have been the worst thing that can happen, even though he's obviously a veteran guy like that as such an important position you you've got to have you know special as you as you guys have been talking about and Sean Clifford is is a lot of things but special I don't think is is one of them so um you know I've got them you know the win probabilities game by game I've got them with nine likely wins so you would think that lends itself to an overbet but again I just I'm not that's not enough value for me to pull the trigger I don't like betting on teams that you don't know who the quarterback's going to be yeah I don't know who the Penn State quarterback's going to be in week seven or week four, when we had Bob Flanders on the podcast to preview Penn State, it feels like all the signs out of Penn State are like Sean Clifford's the guy. Sean Clifford's a starting quarterback. If you're trying to get Drew Aller in there early in the season as a true freshman, that's not where Penn State is. But if Sean Clifford is not getting it done, he might be the guy by the time Ohio State and Penn State play at Halloween. But that also means oh, Penn State may have lost a game, a game or two they should have won, which is going to screw going over their number by the time they get to Drew Aller and then they become a better team, right? So like, I just would want to stay away from all of that. Their run game was also awful last year. Nick Singleton as a freshman running back should help that. I think their offensive line can't get worse. They lost a lot of skill on defense, but they kind of have a little bit of a defensive ethos there. They have a really good secondary. Manny Diaz as a defensive coordinator, I think is a really good hire. I think if Jim Knowles tells Ohio State, you know what? I love Stillwater. I'm staying at Oklahoma State. I think maybe Manny Diaz is here. Like that's, I think Manny Diaz is very high on the list of coordinators who moved in the offseason. The, the Miami coach who kind of got shoved aside from Mario Cristobal. Um, they still need to figure some stuff out there. I think they're a year away. I don't think the, tr the full Drew Aller, Nick Singleton kind of relaunch of what Penn State can be is going to happen now, but it might happen in the second half of this year. It might happen starting in week five. And so like, I wouldn't feel great about it under on them because they might start yep. one and three and then change everything and get better. Or they might start four and two and some weird stuff happens and they say, you know what, let's play the young guys and take our lumps. And they finish six and six. Like I just don't, there's too many different ways the season can play out that I think you can look at the roster and try to evaluate it, but you can't figure out who James Franklin's going to play which would just make me stay away from like any kind of Penn state future bet. If you want to start betting on games, once they start playing and, Oh, I think Drew Aller's in now he's good. Okay. But like, I can't predict the future with these guys. Yeah. I think this is a kind of team that 
people who aren't like Tishu, you probably laugh at people like this. They can talk themselves into why they would take Penn State. They would be like, well, they're going to lose to Auburn either way, but maybe they'll look so bad that that's when they pull the trigger on Drew Alar and that changes the season. But uh, that's kind of a – you're really putting yourself on a ledge when you start putting actual money on teams like that. So, again, even though I think Penn State – I would probably predict them to win – I would predict them to win more than eight and a half games this year. I also wouldn't put anything on that game. Team. Vote. (laughs) Vote. Uh, Either of you, uh, another Big Ten team that you want to mark it down on. Yeah, clear the path. Clear the path. (laughs) Oh, you want to go? go? How many you got? How many you got in your pocket? Clear the path. Clear the path for some Badger love. It's going to get dirty. It's going to get dirty up in the woods in Wisconsin because I'm going to take, I'm going to show a badger a good time. We're going out to dinner. We're going to go get ice cream. We're going to go for a walk past the Barry Alvarez statue. And we are going to hammer this over eight and a half. I think Wisconsin could win 11 games. I think they're the best team in the West. Yes, they play Michigan, but I think the only sure loss is Ohio State. And there's a lot of other things that you start talking about this. And I've, I've talked about this in enough other places that people start saying you're crazy, but it's like, well, why not? And people start when you're in the West, people start saying things like, what if Nebraska, well, what if Iowa, well, what if Minnesota? And I'm like, what? Like, I'm going to let Iowa and Nebraska pull me back from an over on Wisconsin when I believe in their defense and Jim Leonard as a defensive coordinator, when I believe in Braylon Allen as one of the three to five best running backs in college football. And when a thing that I have now said on Buckeye talk and the college football survivor show, what if Graham Mertz is good? So I think like, I don't think Graham Mertz has to be good for them to hit over eight and a half. I think if Graham Mertz is good, they win 10 or 11. I think if Graham Mertz is not awful, I think they can sail to nine. So I really like over eight and a half for them. I think, Nathan, they'll probably be the West pick in our preseason Cleveland.com poll, but I don't know if it'll be overwhelming. I'm just not sure who else there is to pick, but I don't feel like there's going to be a huge mantle on Wisconsin like there has been in some seasons past, and I feel like they don't carry a mantle really well. And also, Paul Crist realized his offense is boring, and he bought in, brought in Bobby Ingram to run – the offense, which I, which is an adjustment, but is also an acknowledgement of we need to get better. Last year, Jim Harbaugh acknowledged he needed to get better and change the staff and it supercharged Michigan. They didn't change as many people, but it's a new offensive mind with a great old defensive mind. And I think this eight and a half is low because they've been a little goofy the last couple of years, but I think they're back on the upswing. And I think this hits fairly easily i'm i'm gonna pick them to win the west and i think they're gonna go 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 so over eight and a half is easy to me so tishu you have on your power ratings uh, i don't want to give everything away i want people to come to your uh, in fact tell people where they can find uh, your stuff when you put it out monday yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet it out um, on twitter at buckeye tie 23 uh i'll also post the link to the google doc that i put together that's you know nice and broken down by every conference and color-coded and all that Uh, I I will post a link to that in my bio. So if you just go to my Twitter, it'll be there. Great. And I also on Monday will release my butt butters. (laughs) Release your butters. Um, Wisconsin, you have basically power rated the same as Penn State. But being in the West, that would usually, you would think, make for a very advantageous situation for a team. If you were to flip Penn State, 
I mean, I know James Franklin says this because he's basically – or no, thinks this because he's basically said it. If you were to flip them into the West, all of a sudden Penn State's a juggernaut. Your projections, though, kind of run counter to what Doug just said. And I, the West, to me, seems very uh, clunky and kind of a gummy middle kind of a sludge fest this year, which it often does. Um, where, where do you stand on Wisconsin? So it's funny because I tend to agree with everything Doug just said. Uh, And even the numbers to a certain extent, when you look at it game by game, you know, I've got them with eight likely wins, three toss-ups and only one uh, likely loss. And that's to Ohio state. So I definitely believe that their ceiling is everything that Doug just said it is. I just, you know, doing what I do, you kind of work with averages and the averages just kind of played out uh, to them winning 8.39 8.39 games was their win probability. So um, the numbers just kind of worked out to, to an under, but I tend to agree with Doug that I, I do, if I was betting this, I would, I would probably take the over, uh, but, but because of the conflicting math there, I I'm staying away. Are the three toss ups, Michigan state, Nebraska, and what would be the other one? Michigan. So their toss ups are, they don't play Michigan. Michigan State, Iowa, oh. and Nebraska. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Gotcha. Right, because they're at Iowa. So that's that's actually an interesting stretch for them to end the year, at Iowa, at Nebraska, and in Minnesota at home to, to close it out. Anybody else from the Big Ten that you guys are marking down? Uh, let me work through this and see if you guys can talk me out of it, because I probably have four. Two have I already done in the Big Ten. Two I really like nationally. And then I'm kind of looking for my fifth to mark down. I marked this down on the Survivor Show. So see what you think. I'm kind of liking the over on Burt. Four and a half for Illinois. And their schedule's pretty easy. And I feel like Brett Bielema might be able to conjure another win or two out of thin air. And they're not there. They're not there. They're not there. They are starting on the ground floor, but they gave people problems at times last year with nothing. And it's not like people are now all of a sudden going to be worried about Illinois. So I don't think they're going to be good, but couldn't they get to five and seven when they, they start with Wyoming, Indiana, Virginia, Chattanooga. That's, doesn't that sound like a possible like three and one start? I think Indiana's going to be awful. Like a three and one start, and then you sneak up on some people, you know, on either Purdue or Northwestern or Minnesota or somebody later in the year, and you find two more wins there. I, I, I think they have a chance to be like a five and seven, maybe even a six and six team, because I just sort of think they're getting their stuff together a little bit. So you see a three and one start there, but I could very easily see a one and two start there. Like having to go at Indiana and then Virginia. Like, I don't know. It, I, I Indiana want to Indiana. I, trust me. We're about to get to Indiana. I'm not done talking about Indiana, but Illinois has not exactly been uh, a, a, no, I know we know what the house happened. on fire. We know that. So uh, and they have a good coach. Who's a better coach. Tom do. Allen or Brett Bielema? Brett Bielema. I think, I think Brett Bielema. I know Ohio State fans hate him. I think he's a good football coach in the Big Ten. He was not at Arkansas. I think he was worried about lake houses and assistant salaries and trying to take on Nick Saban, and he got up his own head. 
but I think in the big 10, he's a good football coach. And I think he makes a difference for a program. He did last year. And if they've, you know, if you, if you gradually increase the talent base a little bit, I'm not going to pretend I know the full Illinois roster. Um, you know, I'd like it better if they were like three and a half or four, but four and a half. I, I just, I don't know. It's one of those things again. Yeah. It's like, Hey, well, they got to play Indiana. They got to, there's a lot, there's some bad teams on their schedule, man. Are they afraid of Minnesota? Who's afraid of Minnesota? No, I, I agree. Minnesota? But I think to get to four and a half, I would wanted them to maybe catch a little bit of break on their crossovers. They have to play Michigan state and at Michigan, that Indiana game as bad as Indiana is. And we're going to talk about them in a second, but they're playing at Indiana on a short turnaround after the Wyoming game. Like just little things like that. Give me enough doubt that I would not take over four and a half, but I would, I would encourage you to take them. What do you think tissue? Yeah. So Doug, I agree with what you said. And the only reason I didn't bet there and mark down there under is because of Brett Bielema. I do have this weird belief in him also. And maybe it's because I listen to you every day and, and, it's just seeped into my brain that he's a good coach, but everything mathematically tells me they're going under this total. <laughs> so I I'm going to stay away really just because I, I don't want to get birded. <laughs> I, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. I, uh, you know what, but I don't, do I want to look back? Do I want to look back and, and hear myself talk about all the reasons that I think do, they could do it, do this and then be like, Oh, but then I didn't bet them. The they Lord went hates a coward, five Doug. and seven last year. They went five and seven. Do it. I'll take it. Mark it down. Over four and a half. But oh, Rutgers, but Burr. That's my math formula. But Rutgers, but Burr. I am taking, since we already kind of spoiled it here, I'm taking Indiana under whatever they are. Uh, are they still four. four and a half or just four? Four, yeah. A flat four. I am still taking Indiana under four. I'm. I may feel more conviction about this than Doug feels about Wisconsin being over nine and a half. Um, and I even have Indiana winning that game against Illinois and beating Chattanooga. And that's it. No, I'm sorry. That's the wrong schedule. Beating Illinois, beating Idaho. And that's it. Oh, for the rest of the way, probably. And maybe the end of, of Tom Allen's <laughs> stint at Indiana at that point, um, you know, already the tough schedule in the East uh, they're, they're locked into playing Purdue. Uh, which is not a great team by any means, but is, I think, right now a better team than Indiana. It's, uh, you know, they got to go at Cincinnati. Western Kentucky is not a slouch. Western Kentucky is probably a better team or equivalent team to Indiana at this point. Just things are not going in the right direction at Indiana, and I I really struggle to see four certain wins on this schedule, really, let alone three. I'm taking Indiana under four. I love it. I love it. And I, I considered this, uh, if not for my national ones, if we were, if we were only doing big 10, this would definitely be one of my five. Uh, I think their absolute ceiling is four wins. I've got them power rated minus a half point. They're only a point and a half better than Rutgers. Uh, and, and to put that into context, like that would put them at like an AAC level, like, you know, so they're yeah. take the name of their jer- name off their Jersey and, and put, I don't know, Memphis on there. And that's pretty much what you're dealing with. Memphis might actually be better. But yeah, I think you're so I, I they think, are. I think their absolute ceiling is four. So I think at worst case here, you push. So I, I love that. They were so destroyed by the quarterback injuries last year. They're yeah. playing like a fifth string quarterback by the time they got to the second half of the Ohio State game. Um, they have Connor Basilek, the 
transfer from Missouri who's in that quarterback battle. They at least, and Jack Tuttle's okay. It's going to be one of those two guys. They turned over a lot of guys. They have a new defensive coordinator, although Tom Allen has taken back like the, the defensive play calling duties. You guys heard it on, on our uh, podcast last week with Zach Osterman from Indiana, previewing the Ohio State-Indiana game. It, it feels like there's a lot of things that Zach said that felt to me like a coach grasping for things as yeah. things sort of get ready to spiral out of control. So I think a lot of this makes sense. They just, Michael Penix getting hurt, just Michael Penix created 2020 and all the hope. And then Michael Penix getting hurt led to the downfall in 2021. And now he's gone and transferred to Washington. So again, I think it possibly might be a little bit hard to get a handle on them because they've had so many changes. They've been really active in the portal. There's a lot of guys in and out, a lot of coordinator changes, that kind of thing. But generally, it feels like they're going down the drain. So I'm not going to take it, but I think you guys are onto something here. Anyone else from the Big Ten that someone wants to mark down? I'm not marking anything else down, but Northwestern over four, their quarterback play was atrocious last year. They had like some things. They changed defensive coordinators and had a first-year defensive coordinator last year that people like wanted fired in the middle of the year, and they might actually have to fire him by the middle of this year. Um, or they'll get some stuff straightened out. Like they were terrible last year and they've been on this cycle of they're good in the even years. Cause you know, they made the big 10 championship game in 18 and 20 doesn't, that's not a formula, but Rutgers, but Burt, but Northwestern and even years is not math. That's not a thing, but I do think they might be more competent. I, whether it's Ryan Halinski or this three-star kid that again, we talked about it in the Northwestern preview, who's got a little something to him. Um, I, I just think they might be competent and that could maybe get them to five wins in the West. It just a lot fell apart last year and they kind of are a program that's not really consistent from year to year. So I do think they maybe creep towards five and seven, six and six this year, maybe even seven and five. So I could see that I'm not going to bet it, but I don't think it's a terrible idea to take an over on four for Northwestern. And just real quick on them, the, again, one where this, the crossover schedule just doesn't really do them any favors at Penn State, home against Ohio State, and then they go to go at Maryland for the third one, which is a team that even if they're like equated somewhat athletically, which I, I don't know if I believe that actually right now, you might get Maryland the edge just because it's a home game. I also think people tend to underrate Northwestern because they're Northwestern. And there have been, you know, again, not to bang my drum, but it's one of the few things I've gotten right. But, you know, in 2020, I was the only person who picked them to win the West because it's like it's hard to believe when they're going to be good. And they're not going to be good, but they might be okay. They might be okay. Then again, you look back. I mean, they've won whatever it is. They've won like at least eight games, like five of the last seven years. I mean, like they're a good program who's coming off. They're coming off a terrible, terrible year. But I think Pat Fitzgerald, as I've stated on this podcast many times, is probably one of the 10 best coaches in college football. So are they going to continue to be awful? They've got to figure out this coordinator thing on the defensive side of the ball because they've been a defense first program since Pat Fitzgerald took over. And Mike Hankwitz was there for a long time and he retired. And when they replaced him last year, they really, really, really missed him. They've got to get that sorted out. And we know what that looks like. At Ohio State, where the defensive coordinator in year one's a little iffy, and you think, ah, oh, maybe year two it'll be better. Then it's like, no, it's not. So that might make you nervous to bet on Northwestern. But I, I just think five and seven is is probably more likely than three and nine. 
this is yeah, this is one this is one similar to Illinois where like all the math tells me that under is the play. But again, though, because like what you said, I I'm not going to bet against Pat Fitzgerald uh, just because he has proven himself to take lesser teams and, and do a lot with it. So uh, I, I'm staying away uh, because of because of what you said. But, yeah, all, all the math would tell me to go under. I also don't want to put myself in a spot where like both Illinois and Northwestern are four and seven going into the last weekend of the year. I need both of them to win to hit my over. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not betting on Northwestern. That was literally on the tip of my tongue. Who's winning that game to, to decide Doug's fate. The last game of the regular season with Tisha, was there anyone else you want to mark down? Cause there was one team I wanted to talk about real quick. No, not, not in the big 10. No. So there's going to be a resurgence of appreciation for Nebraska. I feel like going into this season, a lot of close losses last year, a team that the betting lines kept loving all season um, just because they kept playing teams close, good teams close and just not getting over the top Ohio state being one of those teams. How much are you believing the, how much are your numbers saying that maybe some of the appreciation for Nebraska going into this year is warranted? Not that they're going to be a top 25 team necessarily, but that at least they're going to rise out of the big 10 basement. The numbers seem pretty, pretty confident. They're, they're tied with Minnesota in my power ratings uh, uh, at 10 and a half uh, right behind, right behind Wisconsin in the West. So, I mean, I don't think they go three and nine again, but, Again, I mean, Scott, I forget what the record is, but Scott Frost in one possession games in his career is like so far below what the expectation is. It's it's unreal. So that that's not a team or a coach that I would want to bet on. Um, again, I, I'm not marking this down, but Nebraska betting in Nebraska over would make me nervous all season long. <laughs> well, the and idea that they're over under is seven and a half, the same as Michigan State. I have never seen a program get so much credit for close losses. Well, this is well, like the. But some of that is if West. you flip number. Yeah, I, I understand, but still, it's like the the. It, this is almost like the proof of. How do I want to say a tissue? It's like people thinking they understand the numbers that people got. People have gotten so obsessed with Nebraska's close losses, and they're like, "Oh, like that's going to lead to something," and. I think they might go to Ireland on August 27th and lose to Northwestern. And then it'll be like, where's your, how are you, you getting a seven and a half now? Yeah. They're going to have stay. to be getting on the boat back. Do they take a boat or a plane from Ireland? I don't even I'm know. I'm pretty sure they'll take a plane. You get on the boat. Yeah, they take hit, a plane. They take a plane to Des Moines or whatever. They'll take a plane to Ireland. You yeah, hit an not, iceberg on the way they're back. Not, not Iowa city, not Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa city. Tissue, but your numbers are deeper than that. It's not just that they lost some close games last year, that there there's an appreciation like relative to the rest of the big 10 West, their recruiting mm -hmm. rankings are usually fairly strong. Like yep. there's some other things that are built into why Nebraska has that appreciation. Sure. There, there are things to like with Nebraska. Um, you know, most notably, you know, in my sheet, uh, as, as you guys can see, and as everyone will see here next week, um, I've got a points added column, which is what, how many points a team contributes to the over under for, for a given game. So it is a combination of their offensive rating and their defensive rating. Uh, and there's a 27.7, which is higher than everyone in the big 10, not named Ohio state, Michigan, or the surprise team, Maryland. So, I mean, they're, they're in the top, you know, quarter of the of the Big Ten in terms of 
what they project to bring and knowing that they play good defense that that has a lot to do with their offensive rating. So the numbers seem to think their offense is going to take a step forward this year. Casey Thompson, right. Or, or, or who is it? Or Chuba Purdy, right. It's going to be a transfer quarterback that kind of got out from under the Taylor Martinez era, which is like, they kind of had to do that. Is it Taylor Martinez or Adrian Martinez? I mean, it's not my fault. It's like Baron Browning and Brian Browning. You can't have two guys with the same last name within a decade of each other when you have a 48-year-old person talking about well, you. They both they, just ran around all the time. So <laughs> you, you had to get away from that. And he's going to be the starting quarterback at Kansas State, and that's great. And Casey Thompson wasn't good enough at Texas last year, but now he's going to be at Nebraska. That's great. But I think mostly, and this is always a thing, I think this is, is this a theory, Tissue? If the number one reason that you're betting on a team to have a good record is because their schedule stinks, I get nervous. That like, are they good? Well, no, because if you look at Nebraska's schedule, and I'm like saying this seven and a half, they play Oklahoma in their first eight games. Here are their other seven opponents in their first eight games. Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois. And all of a sudden it's like, are they going to be seven and one? It's like, no, they're not going to be seven and one because they're going to find a way to lose to some of those like very average to below average Big Ten teams. Because guess what? They're also an average to below average Big Ten team. Yeah, to be fair, some of those Big Ten teams are far below average, though. Indiana, Rutgers, we think those are going to be potentially like I I think where where the point to, to finish the point you're making last four games are Minnesota at Michigan, Wisconsin at Iowa. But you don't think if Greg Schiano thinks Rutgers has a chance to win five games this year, you don't think he has home versus Nebraska circled as one of those games? Like, we're just going to look at Nebraska Rutgers and be like, hey, they're going to fly 1,800 miles. Rutgers stinks. It's like, yes, but possibly Nebraska also stinks. Yeah. So this is one of those, again, it's like you just, I think you can trick yourself with the schedule and you look at seven and a half and you start going through winnable games. But a, a team like this doesn't win all the winnable games. They're winnable, but last year they had 10 winnable games and they went three and nine. So now they're going to win. And I know there's regression and I know a lot of stuff like stuff flips. And if you win because of turnovers, you'll lose because of turnovers the next year. I get it. But I th- you're basically, I think, counting on everything about Nebraska to reverse itself, to re- go back to the mean that Murphy, it, it all averages out. Because they have a lot of close losses to average out. So is it going to average out or is it going to continue? Because as Tishu said, Scott Frost doesn't know how to win. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, generally, I would agree with that, that, that it's going to average out. But, but with them, I mean, I've got them with six likely wins and four toss-ups. So history tells us they're maybe going to win one of those toss-ups at, at best. So that puts them under the toe. So I, I don't want anything to do with this. That's very smart. Actually, and since you brought it up, I want to say real quick, just Maryland, that's a, that is an impressive number for them. How much of that is reflective of just some of the, the big time recruits that they've landed in recent What's years? The maybe just, What's the impressive uh, number? Uh, the, the 33 and a half, the 33.2 points added, which as he said, is better than everybody in the big 10. Yeah. Maryland is, is, is number one in the big 10 uh, in my, in my numbers, as far as points added now, a lot, of that, explain is, a little result, that a lot of that is a result of having Talia Tungabailola quarterback uh, and, and a great receiving core, but also their defense sucks. So that factors into that as well. So what that means is when Ohio State and Maryland play, I'm projecting gotcha. that total to be about 66 or 66 and a half. Gotcha. I understand where you're coming from now. All right. 
that's what we've marked down so far. We are going to come back and talk about some national teams here on Buckeye Talk. All right, recapping real quick what we have marked down so far. Tishu, you have taken so far only the OSU-Bama-Georgia parlay all over 10 and a half wins. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Doug, you are taking Michigan State over seven and a half wins. You are taking Wisconsin over eight and a half wins. You are taking Illinois over four and a half wins. Yes. A lot of love for the middle of the Big Ten, middle upper Big Ten in some cases. For Doug Lane Reese, I am taking Ohio State over 10 and a half. I'm taking Michigan State over seven and a half. And I'm taking Indiana under four. Tishu, you've already marked down as far as Bama or Georgia. Doug, do you want any piece of those this year? Both only 10 and a half on these early over-unders. Yeah, so I don't I don't want it to, you know, I don't want to come across as like, ah, I'm not interested in the Ohio State um, 10 and a half. But then I like all these teams better but I am going to take the Georgia 10 and a half. It's almost as bad as Ohio state. It's minus two ten, but I just think their schedule is awful. So they, they there are Alabama. They don't play anybody. Right. Like you look, they don't like they had Clemson early last year. Who, who's going to like rise up in their division. You know, I don't think Florida, I like Billy Nathan, the Billy Napier higher, Anthony Richardson, maybe a little bit of Jack Miller. I don't Florida. Right. I don't know, but I don't think like they're there yet. I, I, I don't know who's going to beat Georgia. Whereas, I mean, you look at Ohio State. Do I think Georgia is better than Ohio State? No. But I don't think Georgia plays Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State. So 10 and a half on Georgia, I don't know who's going to beat them. And I'm not even sure how good they have to be. Yep. They're not going to be as good as they were a year ago, but that's not really the question. They had maybe the best the best defense in recent college football history a year ago. They don't have to be as good as a year of a year ago to go to go twelve and zero because like I I just I don't I don't know who's going to beat them. Whereas I don't think Ohio State's going to lose very many games, lose more than one game. But if we lined up, who could beat them? I think I think you might have like if if Georgia and Ohio State like who are their tough their five toughest opponents. Like Ohio State has like four or five of them of the five. So I just think Georgia over 10 and a half is very smooth and the odds aren't great, but I'll mark that down over 10 and a half, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Georgia's toughest game might be that opener against Oregon, which yeah, is weird which to say about an SEC a team. 17 point favorite. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Doug, just to like contextualize what you just said into numbers. So I have Ohio State and Georgia both with 12 likely wins. So they're going to be comfortably favored in every game. But the difference is Ohio State's strength of schedule is a 7.3. So their average opponent power rating is 7.3. And Georgia's is four. So they're the average team they play on a week-to-week basis is three and a half points worse than what Ohio State's going to play all season. So I think that's a good bet. Who else from the national landscape? Tishu, you, you've only picked one so far, although it was the three teams that you're picking at once. But who else out there is catching your eye right now as far as the number that Vegas is putting on them? So this is an Ohio State opponent, and I'm considering picking them for the playoff. I haven't fully decided my playoff field yet, but I'm going to take Notre Dame over eight and a half. So uh, I've got them at 9.25 wins, and then breaking it down, I've got them with 10 likely wins and one toss-up and only one likely loss, and that's Ohio State. So uh, I, I think, you know, I didn't bet. Northwestern to Illinois because of their coach. And I'm, I'm betting Notre Dame because of their coach. Uh, 
you know, hearing hearing the Notre Dame writer kind of question their quarterback play has me a little a little nervous about that. But I think they're going to play great defense, uh, and they they always run the ball. They've got Michael Mayer, so I'm I'm pretty comfortable taking Notre Dame over eight and a half. I just I don't see four losses there. Yeah, there's a lot on this Notre Dame schedule that there are names that you when you hear them you would think oh that's going to be tough, and then when you look deeper, it's like eh, maybe maybe not quite. I mean, they play they play at North Carolina. They play at BYU. They play uh, home against Clemson. They play at USC. None you of those names. Named, you just named three really good teams, in my opinion. <laughs> we'll see. Are you on BYU at all, Tissue? Um, not not as as heavy as you are. So after I after I listened to your your playoff show, I, I did kind of like, oh, maybe Doug's onto something, and I looked and. And decided I've, no, he's not. I, I've got I've got BYU. <laughs> I've got BYU projected at seven point eight eight wins. So I, I don't. I, I'm with you on their over seven and a half, but I, I'm not like dying to bet it or anything. So like BYU is a tough schedule, but I do think Clemson, BYU, Ohio State, and USC in the last game of the year. Like you're gonna get like USC has worked it out by now, and Caleb Williams is fully grasping the Lincoln Riley offense. I think that is four like really high level games. BYU, not quite as much, but Clemson, USC, Ohio state, that might be three playoff teams, frankly. Like you're, if you're thinking about putting Notre Dame in the playoff, they might have three playoff opponents. So I think it's possible that Notre Dame is one of the six best teams in the country and goes eight and four as a really good team. Cause their schedule is so legit. And the thing about Marcus Freeman is, Recruiting at a really high level, I think everybody thinks he's going to be great. He's never done this before. He's never navigated a whole season. He's never dealt with how do you bounce back from a really tough loss. He's never dealt with the quarterbacks are mad because they think the other guy should be. You know, like I just I don't I don't doubt Marcus Freeman, but a lot of young guys you have, you know, you have some a little bit of a learning curve, right? So I just think I think it's really possible that Notre Dame plays some excellent football. And at the end of the year, Notre Dame, uh, Marcus Freeman is like, could you maybe not schedule USC, Ohio state, Clemson, BY, and all these teams? Like it's, I, I think it actually is. What do you have as a schedule strength for them? Tissue? Is it a high schedule strength for them or not? So, really? Yeah. 6.6. Uh, 6. So, you know, not as hard as Ohio state's, but pretty, pretty hard. That, that's a hard schedule. Um, so, but so I'll oh, go ahead. Nathan. I was gonna say one of the opponents you don't like as much not to transition completely out of Notre Dame, but I don't think you have as high regard for USC as that, Doug yeah, does. That, for that's exactly what I was going to say. So Doug, if you took the names USC and like Lincoln Riley out of the equation and I just gave you that their number is two points lower than Nebraska's. So I, and, and, like you said, they they may very well Caleb Williams maybe just just carries them and maybe they are a playoff team, but all I can go on is the numbers at this point, and I the numbers do not like USC, and I just you know and even if even if that number is a little low, even though it does factor in transfers, I just I don't know how high a team can climb. I would have to look back to see how high Michigan climbed last year, but very rarely does a team make that type of astronomical leap uh, from the from their preseason rating like that. Yeah, no, it's hard. And I do think the transfer portal is going to make a lot of some of this prognostication stuff a lot more difficult because they're so reliant on it. But 
we learned a little bit from Michigan State last year. They went from, you know, like whatever they're, if they were a four or four and a half, they won 10 games and they were sort of driven by transfers. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to pick USC to make the playoff, but I think there'll be a tough game for Notre Dame at the end of the year, right? So I just think, um, I think, I think Notre Dame, it's going to be super fun to be a Notre Dame fan this year because you're going to get to see Marcus Freeman in action. You're going to see some young quarterbacks who are probably still on the way up. You're going to get a sense of who they're going to be, but they're not fully formed yet. Michael Mayer is one of the two best tight ends in the country. There's a lot there, but I think they, it might not hundred percent translate into the win loss record. So I would think they're probably going to go like nine or three and eight and four. If they, if they go, that's the thing. Their schedule's so good. I think if they go ten and two, they're in the playoff mix because they're going to. That, that's why if I do pick them, that that's exactly why because they, they have a they have a path. So I think, I, I think yes, you're exactly right. They have a path, and it's like they lost to Ohio State in the opener. Hey, Ohio State's like the best team in the country, and then they navigated this schedule playing some really good teams. They only lost one more time. They finished it off by beating USC in a game at the end of the year when USC all of a sudden looks really tough and they, they make a presentation at 10 and two that if you're not going up a bunch of bun, against a bunch of undefeated teams, there's going to be some stuff in there that looks pretty good. Sneaky game for them. Also Phil Dracovic, the former Notre Dame quarterback at Boston college, they get that game the week before the USC game and Phil Dracovic and Jeff Halfley are just lying in wait to come in and like screw stuff up for Notre Dame. So I just think Notre Dame has like a super, fun from the outside. I don't know if like Marcus Freeman thinks it's fun. You start with Ryan day, you end with Lincoln Riley and somewhere in the middle is Dabo Sweeney. Welcome to year one, Marcus Freeman. Let's talk about the team that Lincoln Riley just came from. I'm going to take Oklahoma over nine. Some of this is really just not being all that excited about the rest of the big 12. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, And honestly, I, I strongly considered making this uh, one of my picks. Uh, I, I like that as well. I mean, they, they're I think... Yeah, they're, they're non-conference real quick. UTEP, Kent State, and then at Nebraska. And even if you are optimistic about Nebraska, I think I still like the Sooners in that game. I think pretty clearly, like, there's a top, there's a three best teams in the Big 12, it seems like, even though there are some betting sites that have Texas as the favorite in the Big 12, I think probably the three best teams in the Big 12 are Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. And so the idea that Oklahoma could lose to Baylor and Oklahoma State and still go over, you know, Red River, Quinn Ewers, rivalry game, middle of the year, that'll be interesting. But even if you say, okay, who are they playing that's good? They're only really playing three good teams. They can lose all three of them and push, and they can yep. win. That's exactly what I'm thinking. You know, like they can lose two or three and go over. And they just make sure you, you beat Texas Tech and Iowa State. It's it's not a bad bet. They have a Dylan Gabriel's like a real dude at quarterback. I think Brent Venables is going to be good. You know, their offensive coordinators are real dude. They're they, I think they have, might have a few growing pains, but uh, I think people. I think I don't know if the public money tissue is like underrating them because like Lincoln Riley left and Caleb Williams left, I, and it's I like well so. that's it. And it's not it. Like they have a they have a lot to offer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's great value on them. Tishu, give us somebody else from your list. All right, I'm going to take the team that I have with the most difficult schedule in the country, and that is Arkansas under seven and a half. So they their strength of schedule, their average opponent power rating is 9.8, which is just Oof. absurd. So 
That's the average ask, team ask on their schedule. I'm sorry. So the average team on their schedule is like Iowa. Like if you had to play Iowa yeah. every week, including yeah. your non-conference. Ba- yeah, basically. So I mean that that's just that's a gauntlet to have to try to win eight games to go over this. I I just don't see it. Uh, I think they're kind of a team that maybe overachieved a little bit last year and kind of has some juice going into this year. But those are the teams that you want to go under on because they they kind of like Doug talks about with Wisconsin, like they're not going to deal well with expectation. They've never had expectations. So now that they have some this year, I just I, I don't see it. Uh, I project them at 6.22 wins with four likely wins and four toss ups. So I just I, I don't see it at all. I'm going Arkansas under seven and a half. I just remember that when I was breaking down teams for this, it seemed like every team in the SEC I looked at that I thought about maybe betting, even as an over on a decent number, they were playing Arkansas. Like they just play everybody that's any good. Yeah, they re- they really do. I mean, that is crazy that they're you're in the SEC West, which is already okay. Well, you've got Bama every year, and you've got Texas A and M every year, and then they also play Cincinnati and BYU in the non conference. And Sam Pittman's like, where is my Kent State? Like, where are my three Kent States? What are you doing to me? Like, well, that's that's insane. 14 years ago when they scheduled those games or whatever, yeah. they're probably thinking like, oh, Cincinnati, BYU. I mean, oh, those will be like decent little, you know, decent little average wins to get. Whoops. Yeah. And I just a, a spoiler to, to our listeners. I, I know for sure right now, week one, I'm going to be betting Cincinnati plus seven against Arkansas. Let's talk about the Bearcats. I'm going to take Cincinnati over 9.0. Ooh, last year I was skeptical about Cincinnati and I actually bet them under. Or no, you bet them under. I'm sorry. I bet them last under last year. Yeah. I had them lower in the top 25 than people thought. I didn't have them up like fifth, sixth, whatever they started the year. I had them down the 20s and had to hear about it from a lot of Bearcats fans. And I had to eat crow because they ended up rising and, and obviously going 12 and 0, making the playoff. Um, and now that they lost all their good players to the NFL, now you're in? Well, now I'm in only for them to not lose three games. Yeah, I, I love that too. And we're, we're on the same wavelength today, Nathan, because that, that was one that I strongly considered as well. Um, I, I love that. I, this is not one I'm, I'm taking. I've, I've got some other ones that I like, but uh, I, I think that's a great pick. I mean, again, like as you're saying with Arkansas, Arkansas is one of them that is, I think, on a little bit on the fence about because I think Arkansas is solid and they have to go on the road there. But if you think Indiana is bad, which I do, um, and I, I, I'm not I guess I'm just not that enamored with the rest of the AAC, which has been a, a, a decent group of five. But this year is not overloaded with teams that are especially good. Yeah, no, you look at their schedule, like SMU might be pretty good this year, right? But there's not a lot of other stuff that really scares you. And as even though they had whatever it was, the third or fourth most NFL draft picks last year, which again is like remarkable. Yeah. I, the, the, the thing that we learned, again, we were on the Survivor Show, we sort of did like, what did we learn from the NFL draft? And it was that like Cincinnati was as good as everybody thought. Like there was nothing fake about Cincinnati because Cincinnati had more NFL talent than, you know, 90% of power five teams last year. That was all real, but they did lose a lot. 
but they still have uh, like they have a real program in place. And, and yeah. this didn't come out of nowhere. And when you look at it, you know, they're not playing Notre Dame again, like they're playing Arkansas instead of Notre Dame. They're playing Indiana again. Last year for Cincinnati, it was like, oh, they have two big games, Indiana and Notre Dame. And it turned out Indiana was awful. And they had one big game. And then even you look like they, they don't even play all the other toughest teams in their conference. So like you look at SMU, I don't even know. Tishu, how many games do you have as them like likely wins and toss ups and stuff like that for them? Cause when you start digging into their schedule a little bit, I don't mind digging into the schedule when there's a basis of the team, there's a foundation at Cincinnati that you can believe in. So then to lean on the schedule a little bit to go over nine, I think makes sense. Yeah. Their, their strength of schedule is pretty bad. It's uh, their average opponent is minus 2.4. Uh, I've got them with nine likely wins and three toss ups. So, I mean, even if they win, a third of their toss-ups and just take care of business when they're comfortably favored yep. that that goes over. So I, I like it. They don't play Houston, which is one of the probably yeah. other four good teams in the AAC. So even if they lose to Arkansas, UCF and SMU, that's a push. Right. So that rounds out my five teams that I'm taking. Uh, Doug, who's going to be your fifth team? Yeah, this is another one that's going to endear me to Buckeye talk listeners. My other big bet was like this, like two teams that I have been out on at times. Wisconsin being one of them. I'm in on Wisconsin and I'm in on Clemson. I'm in on like Clemson had a goofy year and now it's like, Oh, the goofy year. But before that they were the second best program in college football. So it's 10 and a half. The, the number is much more manageable. It's like minus minus one thirty or something like, so it's like, why would I, do I really think, you know, I don't want to take Ohio State 10 and a half, but I'll take Clemson 10 and a half. Let's minus 130 instead of minus 250. So that's pretty good value on that. They only play three real teams, I think. They play North Carolina State, Notre Dame, and Miami late. Unless you really think South Carolina is going to be good, Spencer Rattler and all that stuff. And I actually think South Carolina might be decent, but I don't think they're going to be as good as Clemson. I think Clemson will have one of the two best defenses in the country. I like their running backs. And I think... If DJ Uyunglele doesn't get it done early, they're going to go to Cade Klubnik as a true freshman quarterback, just like they went to Trevor Lawrence in 2018, and they'll get it sorted out. So I've been picking them to make the playoff. I think they might go 12-0, and 0, but I also really think they probably will go 11-1 and 1 at the worst because – I I could, it could be the end of Clemson. If you think it's like Brent Venables is gone, Tony Elliott is gone. They lost their two coordinators. This is a program that has built itself on stability and they lost, you know, the two little heads, like in uh, what's that men in black that were sitting on Dabo's shoulders. Like as is those guys are gone and now they're going to fall apart, but they promoted from within, which if I was Cumbering Clemson, I'd probably be saying, why'd you promote from within Dabo? Why don't you go outside and look for the best people available? But it's a thing he does and it's kind of worked. And it's still, listen, one thing is the ACC is better. The ACC has a bunch of good quarterbacks. Tyler Van Dyke, by the time he plays Clemson, might be one of the Heisman favorites, right? I mean, the Miami quarterback, they have Sam Hartman and Wake Forest might decide to upset the apple cart for Clemson early in the season. Like that's the, the, as much as we have made fun of the ACC in recent years, if you lined up right now, if you said, let's name the 10 best quarterbacks combined in the big 10 of the ACC, I think it might be eight ACC guys for real, like at seven at the worst, like it's pretty good football there. They can do some stuff. So that has to contribute to it as well. Clemson maybe isn't quite Clemson anymore. Their conference is definitely better, but I still like over 10 and a half. So this is one of my heavy ones. I would put like a double bet on this. This is a Douglas thinkest hardest bet. Uh, Clemson Tigers. 
Doug's so optimistic in 2022. That's five overs that you're taking. Michigan State over seven and a half, Wisconsin over eight and a half, Illinois over four and a half, Georgia over ten and a half, Clemson over ten and a half. Everybody's going 12 and 0, baby. Over fever. Participation trophy, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my shelves are filled with participation trophies. He wouldn't even need shelves if they didn't have participation trophies. That's correct. <laughs> Tyler, we've still got uh, two spots for you. Who else are you well, taking? Can I get a 30-second Tyler Shoe make a reaction sure, sure. to Clemson over 10 and a half? Yeah, um, I wanted to take this, but then, again, I, I just rely on the math. The math came out to them basically just over 10 wins. So, kind of, you know, the line is, is kind of right. But then you break it down game by game. I've got them, like you said, with 11 likely wins and a toss-up against Notre Dame. So, gun to my head, I would I would take the over with you. Uh, I just there – there are other things that the math likes more, so I, I just – I can't bet them all. But I, I'm with you on the over. It's more like carrot to your head when it comes to picking with Doug than gun to your head. <laughs> yeah. I love carrots. Peanut butter smeared carrot to your head. Oh, my God. They're so good. <laughs> uh, and by the way, you brought up South Carolina. I thought about South Carolina over seven and a half. How do you factor transfers – into predictions like this, especially when they're transfers at such a significant position and from someone who, even though he faltered last year, has the kind of pedigree that Spencer Rattler does. So with you, you look at the recruiting ranking and in this particular case, there's a handful of, of quarterbacks in the country that, that truly would affect the spread or, or a team's power rating. And I think Spencer Rattler is one of them. So South Carolina, definitely is better off from a power rating standpoint with him than without. Um, but I, I don't like the over there. It was six and a half was the last I saw. I was hoping that when you updated these numbers, it would drop to like six yeah, and give no, me a little yeah, bit six, of leeway. Six and a half. Uh, their win prob- probability came out to just, just above five and a half. I've got them with five, five likely wins, which makes you feel good, but then zero toss-ups and seven oh. Seven likely losses. Go. So uh, I think it's it's a function of the of the schedule uh, as much as anything because their their strength of schedule is uh, difficult too. It's uh, six point seven, so right up there with like Notre Dame. So based on twenty twenty one, I think we're looking at like an eleven and one season for South Carolina based on that analysis that we just did. <laughs> Tishu, who else do yeah. you want? You got two more spots for your market downs. All right, I'm going to take another team that is getting a lot of love right now. I'm going to take Utah over nine wins. Uh, and it's pretty simple. Their strength of schedule is terrible. It's only their average opponents, only a two, 10 likely wins and two toss ups. So, I mean, the likely wins alone get me over that total. So I'm, I really like that. I'm going to take Utah over nine. That seems low. I'm surprised that it's yeah. that low. They open at Florida. And again, you can like Billy Napier as, well, as much as you want, but like he gets Utah in the first game that he's coaching at Florida. So that's not going to be easy. And then they play USC in the middle of the year, but that's at home for Utah. And I think they might be favored in oh, that game. Like they I, are, they, they, they are, they they're, uh, they're are they going to be favored? Are, are they going to be favored in every game they play? Probably. Like, I mean, you don't have to, I mean, the PAC 12 is mostly Purdue level teams. It's like Utah, Oregon, and a bunch of by, by anybody's power rankings. I think it's mostly Purdue level teams. And frankly, that includes USC until they prove us prove otherwise. And it's one of those, it's a legitimate, I think it's a defensive standard that even though they lost Devin Lloyd, they have like a defensive standard yep. that they they play to. I think Cam Rising is like a really good college quarterback. 
and they kept the running back, right? Tavian Thomas, he's back. They have 900 tight ends. Like what? They almost beat Ohio State. I know it was Ohio State minus Garrett Wilson and, and, and Chris Olave, but it was still C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba, and they had no cornerbacks. They had one cornerback. Clark Phillips was trying to cover three people on every play, and they, like, hung right with Ohio State. And now people don't think they're going to win 10 games? Well, and if, if this were a Pac-12-focused show, which it is becoming more of one as they join the Big Ten, uh, I think one of their um, – truisms would be but wit because like Kyle Whittingham would be a reason to maybe take the, the way you guys were talking about Fitzgerald and Bielema I'd put Kyle Whittingham in a, in a similar category now, now 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 let's not go comparing Kyle Whittingham to Brett Bielema come on it's Brett I'm just kidding no you're right I, I like yeah Pat Fitzgerald and Brett Bielema should be happy to be compared to Kyle Whittingham who's been winning at Utah for two decades and uh close us out Tishu who else you like all right, so my last one, I'm going to go down to the group of five. Um, best bet is going to be Marshall over seven. I I am shocked that their win total is this low. This is like best value on the board for me. Um, so I've got them projected right around eight from a math standpoint, but then looking at their at their actual schedule, their schedule is terrible for starters their average opponent is a minus six and I've got them with 10 likely wins and one toss up. So I seven, I'll take that all day. And again, this guy is not anywhere near the Pat Fitzgerald category, but Marshall does have a, a sneaky young up and coming coach in Charles Huff, who was an assistant at Alabama now coaching at Marshall. And, and he's really got the recruiting juices uh, flowing there. He's kind of getting, getting guys that, go to big schools and then, you know, don't get to play or whatever and, and look to transfer out. He's, he's been really aggressive in the transfer portal. And I think he's, he's building a winner there at Marshall. So uh, I'm going to take them over seven. I like that because when I hear Marshall, you know what I think of? I think of Marshall Erickson from how I met your mother, that guy that Jason Siegel played. I love that character. He's so gregarious. He's from the Midwest. Everybody loves him. Marshall Eric. So I don't even know what you said about the football part, but I do know that Charles Huff is, was a good hire. At Alabama, that guy's on the rise. That's one of those guys that is on the radar probably for like the next sort of mid-tier power five team that fires. Yeah, he, yeah he, he won't be at Marshall more than probably three more years. If I had to guess, he's, he's definitely a hot up and comer. So I'm going to capitalize on that while I can. I've never really covered a football game, a regular season football game in the South. Like I don't have like SEC game day experience or even like ACC game day experience. Like Ohio State hasn't played those kinds of road games. And uh, when I covered Purdue, they didn't. But they did play at Marshall one year in the season opener. Might have been Daryl Hazel's first game. It was very early on. Um, They played at Marshall. And it was kind of an interesting game day experience to go down to uh sort of small town college town west virginia and, yeah. and see some football so that that's where that's where i'm from i'm from right across the bridge in okay. chesapeake ohio so that's that's where i grew up so my dad's had season marshall tickets for my whole life so uh this this was a, a heart pick as well but the, the numbers liked it so you started with a homer pick with osu and you're closing out and with another one with marshall that's right you, you know in my brother's podcast uh it's called section 111 because that's where the season tickets for Marshall have been. Oh, okay. Our whole oh. Life, so. I wondered about that. That makes sense. Yeah. So a little backstory there. I thought section 111 was maybe like something in the gambling code that was going to like get you arrested someday or something. It's like, well, under section 111, T-Shoe's not allowed to give away this kind of advice. 
I didn't know. Tishu, you are giving away advice. Tell people again where they can find your stuff uh, as you send it out. We're putting this up for Monday. Sometime this week, you'll release a lot of this data that you've been basing your picks on. And frankly, that I also referenced a little bit when I was looking at mine. Yeah, yeah. So I, I worked hard on this, you know, for the last four to six weeks, putting this all together. Um, so just follow me on Twitter at BuckeyeTie23. Uh, and I'll, I'll have it all on there. It's all free always. And, you know, I, I tend to tweet out, you know, just little nuggets and stuff that I come across. And and as I go through the data, you know, when I find things that are interesting, I, I tweet those out as well to try to keep everybody informed and help everybody, you know, become a better, better. Better, betters. You just <laughs> I- have a site, better, betters. Exactly. That is pretty good. Uh, can I ask about one more team that I think is of interest to the listening audience? And I am looking at your ratings. I think you have them for eight and a half wins. And that's, well, you have them for like 8.25 wins and they're over under eight and a half. Texas with our guy, Quinn Ewers. Um, I feel like we're in a bit of a Texas vortex where the idea on some betting sites that they are the big 12 favorite is bonkers to me but i think if you can back away from that and just start to think of them as a football team they are quarterbacked by a guy who as a recruit had a perfect rating and they are coached by a guy who led that alabama offense in 2020 that was about one of the best offenses we've seen in recent college football history and i think some people you know sark wasn't great last year it gets goofy at texas real quick but i think they're upgrading the talent. And if you think that like, yes, it's his first year at Texas, but he's been around college football for a year. He's not Quinn Ewers has like, like my daughter at college has to take a half credit class. Like as a freshman, I think he, he got a half credit for his Ohio state year. It's not a full credit, but he got a half year of credit. That's more than most freshmen come in with. He's Quinn Ewers. So eight and a half, they played Bama in week two and they got to play Oklahoma, right? And as we said, Baylor and Oklahoma State are pretty good teams too. But I don't know. I feel like they're overrated as a big 12 favorite, but I think then people might laugh at them and then somehow underrate them. Like where, I don't know. I'm trying to read tea leaves on Texas. What do the numbers tell you about Texas tissue? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. This, this was a team that I was interested in as well, but just kind of conflicting. So like the, like you said, the, the win total came out to 8.25. then you look at their schedule, they've got a pretty difficult strength of schedule, uh, you know, which obviously gets bolstered by playing Alabama in week two. So I've got them with eight likely wins and three toss ups. So like in theory, they go over that, but that's just too, too much conflicting information. There's, there's still so much we don't know about how when yours is going to be in, in year one. Uh, I, they were terrible last year. So I, there's just a lot of, a lot of unknown with them right now. So that, that's a team that I'm, I'm staying away from with, with all of my preseason bets. We'll see. I, all that being said, I would likely end up being on betting on them in week two against Alabama, because that line's going to be inflated for sure. And I think there, there will be value on Texas in that game, it's, but it's a yeah. good. Yeah. In, in terms of their win total, I, I don't want anything to do with it. I just, I have no idea what to make of them yet. I think talented volatility is really interesting when you're trying to do these exercises. I kind of wonder if maybe that applies to Ohio state last year. And some of us were maybe too close to it to see it all at the time. 
I don't know. Um, or maybe what the opposite. Mean? What do you mean? Maybe you mean? we should have seen it more. The, the volatility of, well, just knowing that all the unknowns that there were on that defense, maybe we should have been less certain that they were going to win as many games as we were picking them to. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we knew the volatility was there. We just didn't think it would cost them games. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but, it's but, that's, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like the skepticism that we have about the volatility that Texas has potentially costing him games. I don't know if we applied it as much to Ohio state last year, but it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. Yeah. And the thing with Texas is they, I feel like every year and, and last year stands out most notably also, like I had them power rated really high last year to begin the season. And a lot of that just has to do with their, they recruit so well, but they've been so yeah. underwhelming with that yeah. talent that it, it's, it's hard to gauge because on paper they should be awesome every year, but they're not, as we know. So it's like, do you really want to bet on that team to go nine and three or better? I, I, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm in wait and see mode with, with Texas right now. It is interesting that what, what we, what the big 12 used to be offensively. And when you think about the big 12 now, Dave Aranda, head coach at Baylor, he's a defensive coach, Brent Venables, new coach at Oklahoma. He's a defensive coach, Oklahoma state. Why were they good last year? Because of that Jim Knowles defense, right? It's suddenly become a good, it's like a defensive conference now. And when you go through, you know, there's not a lot of Patrick Mahomes sitting around in the Big 12 right now. And so it's like, oh, who's going to be the best quarterback in the Big 12 last year? It's like, I don't know. Maybe the guy with the perfect recruiting rating? Maybe Quinn Ewers? He can't be better than Dylan Gabriel? He can't be the best. Like, And if Quinn Ewers is like, just goes out and they're not going to beat them in week two. But if he shows a little something and it's like, oh, no, yeah, right. Texas is going to sling it all over everybody. Who's the best play caller in the Big 12? Would everyone not vote for Steve Starskesian? Who's the most talented quarter now? Yeah. It's like that. Where do you start? It's like, that's not a bad place to start. Like it's, it's possible that as, as crazy as I think it is to have them as the Big 12 favorite, I think if you are just sort of scoffing at them, I think you might be really wrong on that. And I think they could be headed to like a, a pretty darn good 10 and two that maybe wakes people up a little bit for 2023. And, and yeah, the thing I'm, I'm on alert for that for sure. Yeah. What Tishu was just saying about how teams, the teams that are, they recruit really well, but just doesn't seem to kind of get there at the end of the day. I think people would have talked about LSU like that prior to 2019. I know they were talking about Georgia like that prior to last year. Like, well, they finished in the top five every year, but what does that mean? They don't actually and then we see what happens like it. So I'm not predicting that for Texas this year, but like that's a formula that has worked before where teams just kind of slowly pile up this thing of elite talent. And then it's, it, it hits. And what usually brings that together is a quarterback and a play caller. So Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, Quinn Ewers, Steve Sarkeesian. And again, we're not talking about national championships. <laughs> we're talking about, can they go, go over eight and a half this year? We did this on the survivor show. I took them over and Shahan laughed and took them under but Shahan loves hating Texas. So like there's there, I'm not sure that was numbers based either, but also Shahan he's in Texas. And for a decade, he's watched people anticipate Texas being good and falling flat on their face. So, you know, based on the history, you know, Steve Sarkeesian five and seven last year, that was one of the worst first years for a Texas coach ever, but there's some stuff. I think to hang on to there. So I took them over. It wouldn't be, it's not one of the five bets. If I only had to make five here, but if I had to make eight bets, I think I would have taken this and marked it down. I noticed you took, uh, you left Stetson Leghorn off of that list of the quarterbacks that put those teams over the top. Yeah. 
That's one of those things. I mean, if yeah, Stetson Bennett could win a national championship. You don't think Quinn Ewers can do it? I don't know. I mean, it's like, I just feel like people, it got goofy here, man. This was not the place for him at the very Ohio state being at the very least. It was not the time and the place for him. It was not right. CJ Stroud was too good. The NIL stuff was too weird. He was too far from home. He showed up too late. Everything. It was not right. And then I know there were reports in the spring. You could find some stuff of like, I don't know. Like he's not looking as good. I get it. There is a lot of talent in there. And just because it got goofy for a year, we have seen young quarterbacks flip it quick in college football in the past decade. It used to not be that way. It is that way now. So if I'm going to bet on Cade Klubnik at Clemson, maybe figured it out. I mean, I eight, going over eight and a half with Quinn Ewers with a half credit at Ohio State, I think it's possible. That was a nice meaty pod about college football. A lot of over-unders there you can go back through, and we'll be marking those down as we are all season. We're keeping track this year. That was actually one of the ones I actually did write down last year. I did not have to go back and re-listen to that whole podcast, so that was nice. I had them all. I had exactly how bad my picks were sitting there in front of my face all year. Doug, uh, coming up later this week, I think we're going to do maybe some nonsense. We're going to maybe do some rapid-fire uh, we've got the um, which team are we up to in the preview? Should be Maryland. Week of Maryland coming Maryland. up. Yep. Um, so some interesting stuff this week. Stephen is and off. The last uh, the last influential ratings, the top right. four and in the influential ratings will be out this week, which we did, which Stephen will be on that episode. So that's what you can look forward to this week for Tishu, who will be back later this year. I'm sure. Thanks for joining us again, Tishu, and for your expertise as always. And for Doug Maurice, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was. Fuck I talk. going to get dirty.